He is uh, from Canadian football perspective. He is Marshall Ferguson. And God, he is square jawed in this photo that comes up of you on Zoom, buddy. Uh, yeah, that's because now I just hide my jaw with copious amounts of facial hair because I'm freezing because it's winter. So uh, I, I do enjoy the uh, the low-key slander there on Dominique Davis because you and I have had conversations about him in the past where we're like, okay, there's there's it wasn't great to start, and then there was what felt like regression, and then 2019 was awful, and then when he showed up in 21, it was like, I don't know why Ottawa re-signed him. I feel like you can invest in younger players and get more because I don't think there's much of a ceiling going here. And then when I saw the Montreal signed him, I went, is Machocha doing an agent a solid? Like, what is going on here? I don't understand why, and, and it's not to pick him out. I think that there's some different guys in the league that are not at the quarterback position that you could say the same thing about where it's like, he hasn't really proven that yeah. he can handle this when he's – when he's in the league and that's not me trying to be uh you know unfair to him it's that when he's been on the field and you compare him to other quarterbacks he has not been a good or average or uh, close to being average cfl quarterback so uh yeah that that montreal one to me i don't know was that a budget play was that just we're going to use him in short yardage but even then dd like tall you... guys aren't good in short yardage as backup quarterbacks typically so well, that's that's a head scratcher i i was thought well if you if you had planned to use dom davis in a chris Trevler winnipeg 2019 role okay i could see some but because right. he's not the same kind of runner but he can move right but what's vernon adams be- what's the best thing vernon adams does dance around and move and be in the run game too. So I, I don't know entirely what that one is about, but that is uh, on the list of things we will discuss. Uh, the riders appear set to lose both Ed Ganey and Luchez Purifoy reading the, the tea leaves or the Twitter leaves, if you will, mm-hmm. on what they've been saying as we, as we've understood it, Luchez Purifoy likely to end up in BC on a two year deal. Ed Ganey, Edmonton with uh, Chris Jones and company. Uh, what do you think the impact of losing Purifoy and Ganey is? So the biggest thing that jumps out to me on this one, just kind of big picture first on Ganey, is I'm I'm amazed by the longevity of his career. Like his ability to be able to basically get run out of Hamilton after the miracle on Bank Street when he gave that up, just misplayed the ball in the air, and Ellingson goes down the sideline in Ottawa. And Hamilton, I know that front office people do not make their decisions based on what the fan base is yelling on Twitter. Thank God they don't. (laughs) But, I mean, it it was pretty bad after that loss because Hamilton felt like they had a good enough team to be able to move forward and give themselves a chance at a great cup. And and Ganey was kind of used as the scapegoat on that, despite the fact that in that same game, people will forget that I believe it was Eric Norwood that got injured and ended up going out and then came Arnaud Gascon to Don and then he, whatever it was, jumps offside or takes the the penalty late in that game, I think, that ended up giving them Henry Burst the free down to take the shot down the right side. Anyways, all that stuff played out, but really Ganey was the one that was kind of called out for it. And he goes from that situation and then makes a great career out of this thing in Saskatchewan. Like Mm -hmm. He's been a, a stud for a long time. Now, I believe was there as of 2016 right like he signed 16 17 18 19 21 so five years continuing to improve and make plays all over the field I got a lot of respect for him he's also hella fun on the mic'd up show so I have a lot of respect for that because I anytime that he was mic'd up I knew we were going to get something good because he's one of those guys when he's mic'd up that he'll go over and start talking to people on the sideline and get the best conversations out of them, which is the perfect strategy if you're deciding who to mic up for a game. But uh, yeah, losing him, I mean, I I thought I wrote on CFL.ca last week that maybe Cariel Brooks would be a good fit there if 
they decided not to go with Ganey, but in the same day, I mean, the same hour that Ganey ended up saying, hey, I'm not going to be back in Saskatchewan. Carol Brooks was re-signed by the Ticats. And I honestly, you know, I will probably never understand or know this for sure, but I wonder whether or not that wasn't happenstance. Because when I'm thinking boundary halfbacks and a great fit in that rider's defense, for Jason Shivers, I thought, man, that uh, Carrier Brooks at that boundary half spot, working alongside Dick Marshall, and mm-hmm. then you start to piece it together, and I thought that'd be nice. But, uh, yeah, so that was the biggest one for me that, I, I mean, it's going to affect them, certainly. They're going to have a little bit less flexibility. And then Luches Purefoy, when you and I had the conversation about outstanding defensive player and even team MOPs, he came up for Saskatchewan. Like, it's people don't, I think, appreciate the flexibility that he gave them defensively. And I know this from covering the early days of the Ticats when they had Johnny Sears and they were working through Rico Murray. And they had all these guys that were Sams and boundary halfbacks. And they would rotate them through from those two spots. And they had a lot of injuries, so they had to just move a guy from Sam to boundary halfback. Then there'd be an injury, he'd go over to field half, but then he moved back to boundary half. And and so those two players, losing them in the same offseason when you're hosting the Grey Cup that year, man, they better find some some quality replacements because those are two extremely important positions that give you defensive flexibility. I just had to go back and check, Marsh. Uh, Ed Ganey will be 32 this season. He turns 32 in June. Nick right. Marshall will be 30 this season. He turns 30 in June. Luchez Purifoy will be 29 this season. And they've they've said, you know what? Nick's our guy. Nick's our guy. And... I don't a hundred percent agree with that. I was going to say because you you do a lot more defensive charting and analysis than I do, and yeah. when I'm watching games every single week, every single snap, I have a lot of respect for both of them. But I take Ganey over Marshall, so that's why for me, when I saw Nick Marshall sign relatively early in the pending free agency window, mm. and then I see Ed Ganey saying, "Hey, I'm not coming back." I'm not saying that it's the wrong call. I'm just saying this is one of those things that you'll look back by midseason and probably be able to see more honestly. I think a little bit of time and separation and more analysis of Nick Marshall. And this this is the other thing, DT, that Nick Marshall, depending on who fills that boundary halfback spot in Regina, you'll see what the, what the quality and what the impact of an Ed Ganey on that boundary half of the field was Yeah, if, if they don't fill it with somebody as good as Ed Ganey. Because whether you're playing cut or hold or match or whatever defensive coverage you're in, every corner in the boundary has to rely on his halfback because there's less of that free safety help rolling to the boundary because they got to deal with all that space on the field side. So you got to have two guys that are absolutely in communication with each other at all times and on the same page. And I wonder, depending again, I'm not reading the situation before it kind of that spot gets filled, but who they put there really has to understand Nick Marshall and vice versa for this thing to work. Well, and and one of the one of the things I think the perception of as we talked to Marshall Ferguson, the, one of the perceptions of Marshall is he's a risk taker, and that's where the, that's where the big plays against come from. But it's also where the big plays for come from. And I think the perception, and this isn't speaking of what the, how the riders perceive him, but us as fans go, he's a risk taker, and if he just curbs, if he's just a little sharper on the risks that he takes, uh, Danny Vandervoort won't score two touchdowns, or Lucky Whitehead. <laughs> won't take him for 75 yards in that incredible attempted comeback in week number one. He'll, it'll be more of he likes to take Bo Levi Mitchell to the house, that that kind of – I think there's – at least from from us, the, the viewing public, there's the perception of the thing the thing that bothers me about Nick is very fixable for coaching. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and I think it's the responsibility of coaching in order 
to be able to get the best out of those players. And and if that's the flaw and you think that's coachable, well, would you rather coach that out of somebody or try to instill so many of the things that make Ed Ganey into a different player, a younger player, a cheaper player? And it, it can be a real uphill climb to try and replace somebody like that. It absolutely can. Marshall Ferguson, Katie Football Perspective on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, we got about three minutes, so I won't get to hit everything we wanted with you. But uh, Jeremiah Masoli to the mm-hmm. Red Blacks. Zinger was saying, I'm not sure I would have paid him four hundred fifty grand." I feel like you are higher on Masoli than a lot of us. The thing that I, I'm for with Masoli is that he's been in the league since 2013, mm-hmm. but I've I've watched every snap the dude has taken since he's been in the Canadian Football League and really specifically in Hamilton. And it's been, oh, you know, I'm a backup player in 2013 and 14, and then I get a little bit of time in 2015 when Claros goes down with the ACL. We go into a playoff game, lose in Ottawa. Then 2016, I, I'm the quarterback until Zach comes back, and then he takes back his spot. And then in 17, Zach's the guy, but we start 0-8, and, and I have to clean up in the second half. And then in 18, hey, I'm the starter, and I'm the East Division nominee for most outstanding player with 28 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Not a great ratio, but very productive and a lot of fun in that offense with June Jones. 2019, ACL tear. 2020, we don't play. 2021, injured again, sharing time with Dane Evans in a COVID-short season. Mm-hmm. So you look at the landscape of his career, the guy has started one full season. Like you can add all the other parts together, but 2018 is the only time he's had his team and stayed fully healthy. And if he stays fully healthy, this is an upgrade for Ottawa. And I like Caleb Evans a lot. I don't like Doc Hodges. I don't like Dom David. <laughs> I mean, all those other guys. Taron Christian's probably out for the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about Taron Christian, but all of those guys that they're rotating through, Matt Nichols included, to be honest, like I'm kind of out on all of that. For me, it's, it's Caleb Evans. And I was waiting to see what the next move was. If they didn't get him, I think that the quarterback market it's pretty thin at this point. Like, I think we understand that there's not a starter or a guy that you could trust to be your day one starter at the yeah. very least. And so Masoli signing in there, I'm, I'm a fan because I think he actually has his best days of football in front of him. And you and I love talking Paul Lapolis. If anybody's yep. going to get the best out of a player and a quarterback, it's Paul Lapolis. So I'm excited to see where this goes. And selfishly, as someone who's going to call a bunch of games on television in the East Division, I'm ecstatic because <laughs> I hope I get to call Dane Evans against Jeremiah Masoli three times this year. Uh, it just struck me that had Masoli, he was being pursued by Ottawa and Edmonton. If he had chosen Edmonton, they probably cut Nick Arbuckle and Ottawa yep. would have signed Nick Arbuckle again. <laughs> and that would have been amazing because they did. Oh, he's our guy for 2020. Yeah, we can get uh, Matt Nichols, get out. And then he would have been back in 2022 because anything can happen in the Canadian Football <laughs> League. Follow him on Twitter at TSN underscore Marsh and at CF Perspective is where he puts out some content. He's got uh, free agent fits on CFL.ca. Uh, check him out and see what you think of his uh, picks for the Riders. Thank you, brother. Have a great weekend. I had not connected the Arbuckle dots, and you just made my Friday. Have a great weekend, DT. <laughs> I love it. It's Marshall Ferguson. He's with us.